Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. All right, I entitled this, The Need for More Godly Men Today. The need for more godly men today. We'll simply look at it in five parts. Uh, Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. You okay? Alright. Act like men. Be strong. And and then we'll talk about agape love. I may be pulling this cord as well. Um, So... As we look at this, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is, is sadly, I actually had it written down in the bulletin. Um, sadly, the statistics on fatherless homes in America is actually the epidemic that we have in our country. It's, it's so funny that we want to blame, we want to blame the gun, but not the shooter. We want to blame the fetus, but not the abortion of the, of the killing the, the child. Um, we blame the car but not the person driving it that ran over all those people on a Christmas event the reality is is that most of those men are without fathers in their homes and the epidemic that we see in our nation is we have roughly roughly one out of four homes have no father No stepfather, no grandfather, no father figure in the home. 85% of our youth that are currently in prison right now in Texas come from fatherless homes. 85%. Suicides, fatherless homes. Dropping out of high school, fatherless homes. They lead to everything. And it's not a Hispanic thing. It's not a, 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 a white thing or, or a black thing. It is an American problem. It's affecting everyone. And what we've seen is we've seen men that have neglected their responsibility. Now, if you came here for a happy Father's Day message, I'm sorry. When I talk to the men, it's going to be real. We need to wake up. We have a calling on our lives. We have children that we need to raise. And that's even if you're not with your kids. Even if you're divorced. Even if you only get your child once or twice in a month. You need to be a godly father during that time with them. They need to see that example. You've got to be invested with them. As we look at these words that are are listed here, as it talks about be watchful, some of you may have be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. All of these words are action words. They're in the present imperative. 
Meaning that there, there are opportunities for you to depend on the Holy Spirit and obey God. Each one of them. You're supposed to do continually, every day. Continually, every day. So as we look at the first one, we'll look at be watchful. Remember, we can't do these without being connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't live this life without Christ. Now I can tell you, a lot of us have grown up with broken childhoods. You find out, yes, some have worse circumstances. It's very rare to meet somebody who grew up in a Christian home. That parents are still married. That's rare. You know, I think about my father. My father was an alcoholic. We divorced, uh, divorced my mom when we were six years old. I was six. My brothers, I think, were eight. My dad dove into a bottle for the next... I was 22 before he got sober and found God. And I was a, a, a mistake myself. Meaning that I was not a good father. I was verbally abusive, which is just as bad as being physically abusive. Don't let anybody tell you that there's a difference. I would punch walls, throw things. I had a mouth, I don't want to say like a sailor because I was a soldier. I committed adultery on my wife. All these things before I knew the Lord. And it destroyed my marriage and my family. And then God came into my life and taught me what it was to be a man. Taught me what it was to be a husband and a father. And I had no clue all that stuff was in the Bible. I was like, that was in the Bible? Never knew it. So one first thing we have to do is he tells us to be watchful, to be on guard. Now, the Corinthians who, who Paul is writing this to is, is writing to a very carnal culture. Very similar to America. Very similar. And so he's telling the men here that you need to be on guard. To be watchful. And if you go, well, I'm a spouse, what am I supposed to do? Help him watch. Problem is, is too many men are falling asleep on guard duty. And we see Jesus tells us many times when He talks about His return to be watchful. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 36-44, through it says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as there was the days of Noah, so will it be, uh, be the coming of the Son of Man. For as those days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. And until the day when Noah entered the ark, and, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the, of the Son of Man. Two will be in the field, and only one will be taken, and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, and one will be taken, and one left. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, 
he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at the hour you do not expect. One thing we're supposed to be watchful for is the return of Christ. He tells us, when, when can that happen? Right? In any moment. There's no other prophecy that needs to be fulfilled. Jesus can return like that. And so he's telling you, be watchful. Be busy doing what you're supposed to be doing. Mark chapter 13, verses 32 and 33. We'll actually be back in Mark next week and we'll be diving into the Olivet Discourse talking about end of times. Mark 13, verses 32 and 33 says, But concerning that day or hour, or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. Jesus is telling us as men to be awake. To be on guard. And yet we're missing it. You're asleep. And the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's coming after your wives and your kids. In any way he can. And yet we... Are not awake. In First Peter chapter five verse eight, it says, "Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour." So why are you on watch? Because the devil's prowling around, seeking for someone to devour your spouse, your children. That's why. Dads need to understand that the things that our kids are dealing with are not the same things that we dealt with. Your kids are being attacked more now than you ever can imagine. Every time you hand them that phone or you give them that tablet, there's opportunity for the devil to get in. And you go, well, they're just watching YouTube. Have you ever seen what's sitting on YouTube underneath the bottom? All they do is click it. That happens. But we have to be on guard. We have to be on guard because it's not just the devil that's after your kids. It's the celebrities and the schools and the politicians trying to indoctrinate your kids. We see this happening more and more today. And, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we talk about act like men. Dad, the, the, the fathers need to be able to tell the difference between what the culture is doing and what God's word says. If we're to be vigilant, knowing that the devil will come to steal, kill, and destroy, you cannot be asleep on guard duty. You know, the worst thing in the world, I think I was reading, uh, actually, my wife had, was watching something on Queen Elizabeth. And they have the people that, that are there to, to watch, you know, her house. Those men that always stare out and keep in watch. And yet, in the middle of it, somebody got in. And not only did they get in, they got all the way up to her bedroom. And that's one of the most secure buildings in the world. And he just walked right in. Even though they were on watch. 
That happened to us when we were in uh, the National Training Center in Mojave Desert. We were training and we, we have to fight against the army that's there and, and as to practice for, for major conflicts. And so it's 10, 10 Russian armies to one American tank. So you have 10 tanks to their one tank, to our one. We had spent probably, we were, had been up 16 hours and we were still setting tents up and we took a break and everybody's sitting down and next thing we know we get attacked. The whole company is killed. Not only that, but our SAR major was taken captive along with our major. I had to go pick the SAR major up. That was not a fun ride back to the company. We were all supposed to be on watch and we missed it. We saw the two tanks off in the distance, but we didn't see the brigade of tanks that were coming behind us. Because we thought the other company was watching them. They were busy setting up, and we missed it. We lost the first battle. This is what I'm afraid is going to happen to a lot of men. It's because they, 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 they're not on duty. They're not being watchful. You wake up with the Word of God. You have God's sword, the Bible, with you every day. And look, I, I can sit with my kids. I'm not going to sit and get emotional and argue with them over what God's Word says. We need to be, uh, I need to be, remove all emotions and feelings when I talk to them about something like transgender or binary. But I have to pull my sword out because I have to go, okay, what does God's Word say? We have to be ready to answer the hard questions for our kids because they're dealing with things that we have never thought of. Imagine dating with somebody and they go, well, I don't identify as a woman even though they're a woman. You have to ask these questions. I mean, these kids are going to be, if something doesn't change, they're going to be dealing with a lot of stuff. And you have to point them to the Word of God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Why would Paul write that? Because men have a tendency to go, Psst. how many times did your dad go, come on, man, are you that dumb? I know my dad said that. But it's discouraging. Sit down with him and explain it. Sit down with them with God's Word and show them in the Bible this is what it says. We actually, as, as believers, the lens of the Bible should be how we look at the world. And what we allow in. So as you're being watchful, God's Word should be your lens. That, that, that's not coming in here. <laughs> ain't watching that movie. I'll let you watch this other one, but we ain't watching that. You know, it, it's like knowing what, what they're, the kids are, are, are watching, what they're into as far as their, their social networks. I was watching a, an article last night on TV, and, and they were saying how the, the kids are buying drugs on TikTok. Yeah. And, and they're getting them from the cartels. And everything they're buying, whether it's weed or Percocets, they're all laced with fentanyl so they can addict the child. And there are special emojis that are being used 
So if you go to the DEA website, this is no joke. They'll show you the emojis you need to be looking for. And you can find out if your child's buying weed or Percocets or whatever they're buying online. This is not what we were dealing with when we were kids. Your kids need answers, and they need to see you go into the Word of God. It's very important that they see you be watchful and you protect them to be on guard. Next, that you do is after you're being watchful, you're standing firm in the faith. This is where I see a lot of men that are, that are in trouble. Their foundation is not set. Their foundation and their relationship with God is shaky. They're too busy for time in the Word, too busy for prayer, too busy for fellowship, and they don't know how to stand firm. And when you can't stand firm, your family will not stand firm, and neither will your marriage. Now, if you're making a checklist for a future husband, these are the things that you need. He needs to be watchful. He needs to be in the Word of God. He needs to be able to stand firm in the faith. I need to know that he actually has faith in God. Nehemiah, I love what Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 5. The nation, as the nation of Israel is returning back to God, revival happened in the people first, the people of the nation of Israel, and they stand up and they worship God. That's part of your, your foundation is, is that you worship the Lord. In Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 5, it says, Stand up and bless the Lord your God for your from everlasting to everlasting, blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praising. And when we stand in obedience to the word, we stand firm in the faith. In Psalm 119, verses 41 through 44, it says, Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me. For I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my own hope is in your rules. I will keep your law continually forever and ever. Do you understand that, that, that piece of that scripture in verse 42? Then I shall have, have an answer for him who taunts me. The devil is going to taunt you. And try to think that, you know what? You know, maybe, maybe we're allowed to have women as pastors. Yeah, that came up with the Southern Baptist thing. Paul was very, very blunt about that. Elder, deacon, both of them says has to be a man, and it lists the characteristics. Then he goes on to say, a woman is not allowed to teach or have authority over a man. And yet, Rick Warren, three women pastors, in the Southern Baptist Convention, they weren't happy. And they shouldn't be, because it's wrong. Now, I know that goes against our culture, because, hey, I'm a woman. I'm supposed to be able to do what you do. Not this. God was very clear on this. Now, can you teach women? Yes. Can you teach kids? Yes. You can do that. 
but not the Word of God. It's like we have to understand that, that the one who taunts me, I need to trust in His Word. What does God's Word say on the matter? Again, I, what I'm doing is I'm going... Because Rick Warren, he tried to make some points, and I'm going, ah, I don't know. Let me go back and read the Word of God. And I go back and I read the Word of God, and I'm looking at each of those points, and I'm going, you're, you're misinterpreting them. You're taking them out of context. And, and it's sad because that's where people are at today. But if you're going to stand firm in the faith, you're going to get knocked around today. Because there are so many things that are, are being pushed due to progressive Christianity. We need to be men that put our relationship with Christ first. We need to be keeping the faith. We need to be persevering and being persistent and understand that it's God that keeps us standing up. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 8, it says, For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. Did you get that? That is a crazy verse. I read this verse this week and I was like, what? For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. If. That's a big if. Like, are you getting knocked around? Are you being tossed to and fro? Are you living for God? Are you standing for the Lord? Like, I, I can't make it without you. That should be your, your plea every day. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12, it says, Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. So you have to remember, when you stand, you stand with God. When you stand with pride, you'll fall. You'll fall every time. Look at David. David's a prime example of that. David, a man after God's own heart. David was supposed to be at war. At war. That's what the men did in David's time. It tells you in, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, it says it happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof of a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, it is, not this, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent a messenger, and he took her. He had relations with her. This was one of his generals. Wife. He was supposed to be in combat, and he was at home. He ends up getting her pregnant. David was on shaky ground prior to that because David had 17 women, concubines and wives. And so this glance that he had was no different than a man looking at pornography and being stuck in it. When you have that sin that's going on for a year. This is how long that sin goes on for David. For a year. He's playing Christian for a year. A man of God. I'm a man of God. And yet he's murdered somebody. He's had adultery. Both of those offenses, you would be stoned to death. 
during this time. And look what Samuel, uh, what Nathan says to him in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. This is very important for men to get. Because God ain't playing around with you. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also put away your sin. You shall not die. Do you think God's going to let you keep your testimony and you stay in your sin? God will pull you from this earth. And if you don't think that's, oh, that's an Old Testament thing. Look at Ananias and Sapphira. Gone like that. You're not going to ruin my testimony. I've given you opportunity. I pressed, I pressed, I pressed, I pressed. And it says right there, you shall not die. And unfortunately, David's sin cost him his child. His child. See, David was, he said, I've sinned against the Lord. He's repented, he's forgiven. But there are consequences to our sin. You reap what you sow. If you've sown into this thing, you're going to reap it. Uh, a best, uh, an easy way of knowing that, when we talk about reaping and sowing, you can give your life to Christ in jail. That doesn't mean you're cutting out of jail. You're, you're, you're reaping what you've sown into. You're forgiven from God. But you still have to pay the cost of the world. The cost of jail. For, this, for the, what you've done. For what you were found guilty of. Many people come to no faith in jail. But they still have to be in jail. One of the things that happens is when, when David's child dies. This is what men need to do. When we, when we mess up. You need to be like David. I love what David did in, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20. It says, Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and he worshipped. Get back on solid ground. That's how you do it. Man, let me tell you something. In your lifetime, you're going to fall. You have enough grace for the journey. And all you have to do is repent and Christ will help you back up and get you steady again. And standing firm in the faith. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. He's laying like, the, my, your sin has been paid by the cross. You have freedom in Christ. Don't entangle yourself back into bondage. You stand fast in the liberty of Christ. Now that we are being watchful, we're standing firm in the faith, this is the one that's going to be tough. Because this goes absolutely against our culture today. Act like men. Act like men. I'm going to read you an article from the Huffington Post. It's not really a newspaper. But I want to, I, the reason why I'm reading this to you is because I want you to understand what's being pushed out there. It's called The Death of Masculinity. 
the death of masculinity. Men need to feel as though they can cry. I'm not against that. There are going to be times when you break down and cry, and that's okay. But I'm against this next part. Ask for help and lean on, on both other men and women for support when they need it. I'm not asking for no women's help except my wife's. And that's what you better do. That's part of acting like a man. And you're going to end up like David if you're not careful. Just the same way as women today hopefully feel as though they can be strong and powerful without acting like men. By getting rid of dangerous gender stereotypes, it benefits everyone and gives people the power to define their own gender identity, expression, and basically live their own life however they will want. So let's allow our children to discover how, who they are without shoving them in a pink or a blue box and celebrate when men in our life open up and ask for help. That goes directly against what God is trying to do here. That's the fight that's happening right now. So if I, even if I put act like men, I'm going to catch it online. You know, because they want you to define a, a gender stereotype. That's what that is. And it goes against God's, God's Word. Again, we look at the lens of the Word of God and what does God's Word say? In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them, let them rule over the, over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creepy thing that creeps on earth. God created him, man in his own image, and in the image of God he created them male and female. He created them. Do you understand what the attack is in the homes? The reason why they, they, they want to not, to, not for you to act like a man. A man is supposed to rule. Well, that goes against what, what I think. But it, it tells us in the, in the Word of God that the man is held accountable. In the marriage, it's the man that leads. He's supposed to be the pastor of the home. That's the role that God has given him. We know in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, when, when Eve had sinned, it said, You'll des your desire will be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. So if you're not getting along with your spouse, it's not saying that you're not equal. It's just God holds the man in responsibility. Now, if you go, well, I'm a single mom. Well, look at, look at Timothy. His grandmother and mother raised him. And, they were, and Timothy was a godly man. Before we move on from there, it's just a, an importance to remind, remind us that the other thing that God did was He intended man to work. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and keep it. So what, what happens when a government decides to pay you unemployment for you to sit on your butt at home? You're not working. It goes against God's Word. You were, you were designed to work. 
If you don't go to bed tired, you got, you got more work to do. I try to remind you guys, your, your ministry starts the moment you get out of your car from work and you walk in your house. And you go, I just worked a full day's of work. Well, guess what? Now it's time to serve your family. It, it, it's important for us to understand. Like the things that are being done are not being done just for are not being done just because they're they're being done for um, just so we can take care of people. They're being done for specific reasons. They are doing everything they can do to destroy the homes and the families. And it's sad. I love what David tells Solomon. David's dying and he tells his son this. In 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1-4. through I love this. I was telling Joe this would be a great men's, men's retreat uh, verse. It says, When David's time drew near, he commanded Solomon and his son, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. He's, he's leaving earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in His ways and his, keeping His statutes, His commandments, His rules, His testimonies as it was written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do. And whenever you, wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish His word that He has spoke, spoke concerning me. If your sons pay close attention to their way, to the walk before me in faithfulness for they all, with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Show yourself to be a man. That goes directly against the culture. What is a man? I look at Nehemiah, I, I like Nehemiah. Nehemiah didn't play around. Nehemiah had been gone for like seven years. He had got the nation on track and they were worshiping God and doing what they were supposed to be doing. It only took them seven years for them to fall off track. Nehemiah comes back because they're marrying foreign women. And why can't they marry foreign women? Because then their false gods, the idolatry, starts coming into Israel again. That's why they can't have it. And it wasn't just the, the people that were doing it. It was the leaders that did it. In Nehemiah, in Nehemiah 13, verse 25, I love this. And I confronted them and cursed them and beat some of them and pulled out their hair. That's a man. Let me, Lord have mercy. There have been people I have, through ministry, I'm like, would you get this? We've been dealing with this for five years. When are you going to do what's right for your family? He come. He would come to a, 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 a men's retreat every year and just weep and go right back to doing the same thing three or four weeks after the men's retreat. Act like a man. Do what you've been called to do. Daniel, that's another man that we can look to, a godly man. Daniel was, a, a, from his youth all the way until his old age, was a man of prayer, was a man of humility, was a man who was dedicated to God and serving. 
But the person we should look to as our example is Jesus Christ. Your father may not have been what you wanted, but Jesus Christ is our example. Jesus is a a teacher and a preacher. He was dedicated to prayer and obedience and love and mercy. But Jesus was not a wimpy man. We just saw last week as he just flipped over tables and cleansed the temple. As he cast out demons and faced Satan. So your wife and kids need you to be an example of Christ. How's that going for you? Do they see Christ in you or do they see the world? And that's a question for you as as well. Whether you're a grandmother or a mom, do they see Christ in you or do they see the world? See, godly men are supposed to love sacrificially the way that Christ did. We're to be servants. We're supposed to stand upright and lead. We're to be strong. We're to wash our wives with the Word. We don't lead based on emotions and feelings. That's why God has called us into that role. I I sat this week and I about was ready to throw the laptop. As I listened to this pastor from one of our, from Calvary Global Network. And it was feelings this and feelings that. Feelings is the F word for a man. You don't make decisions based on your feelings. You make decisions based on God's Word. If you're going to act like a man, that's going to be one of the first things you need to learn. You're not emotional. You're not supposed to be in your feelings. If you need to take a step back and pray, then you need to do that. If you need a moment to go read the Word of God, then you need to do that. But you don't make decisions happenstance. You pray about them. You read God's Word. You seek God, and then you make the decision. You have a wonderful wife, a spouse, a helper that that is there for you. You want to hear what she has to say. But guess what? God's not going to hold her accountable. God holds you. The man. And you're supposed to wash your wife with the Word. You're supposed to love her as Christ loved the church. And unfortunately, the only thing that most men remember is that that verse before that. To be obedient and serve. But we're supposed to serve one another. They forget the verses before that. See, everything from Ephesians 5 down is actually for you. For you, the man and the wife. And then it gets to the part where you're supposed to love her as Christ loved the church. If you're throwing insults at her, if you're being ugly to her, she's the church. She's a representation of the church. What are you doing? You need to ask for forgiveness. You need to get right with God. 
You love her as Christ loved the church. How much did Christ love the church? He died for it. He died for it. Act like a man and serve your spouse. Serve your wife. Serve your kids. We are called to serve, not be served. If we're an example of Jesus Christ, that's going to be one of the hardest things you learn. After you act like a man, you have to be strong. And let me tell you something, this is not in your strength. You can't do this on your own. It's in the strength of the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. It's His strength. It's His strength that can withstand the storms. I remember a hurricane when Hurricane Hugo hit. Hurricane Hugo hit. My, my grandparents had a house on the Isle of Palms. Beautiful, right across the street from the beach. There was like a three or four story house that was right across the street from them. My grandfather hated that house because it, it, when that house got built, he couldn't see the, the beach anymore. And uh, Hurricane Hugo came, and it was that house that saved my grandfather's house. It was taken completely off the foundation. My grandfather's house survived, and it was because that house was in front of his. When, when, with my grandmother, we used to go walking every night when I would go out there, and I would go work for my uncle during the summertime, and we would cut grass. I cut grass all summer. And um, we would go walking with my grandmother at night, and there was this, probably a half mile, a mile down, there was this rock formation, big rocks. It went all the way out to the, the ocean. And when Hurricane Hugo came, there were so many houses that were taken off the foundation. You realize those rocks were still there? Those big rocks had not been moved from that hurricane. That's what we stand on is the rock of the Lord. We, we stand on the rock. If you're going to be strong in anything, you be strong and stand in His might and not your own. And the other thing you need to be strengthened with is grace. The Apostle Paul tells Timothy in 2, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he says, You then, my child. Paul looked at Timothy as a son. And he tells him, Be strengthened by grace. That is in Christ Jesus. I love that. Man, we need to, we need to extend grace. Extend grace. That, that's one of the things that you can practice as a husband, as a father. Extend grace. When your kids do something, you go. Extend grace. Sit down and talk with them. Say, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show some grace here. You got to be careful with that because we had a pastor that, that did that with his son. He decided instead his son had did something, had upset his mother, and he goes, I'm going to take him out and I'm going to talk with him instead of the normal spanking that he usually gets. And so he, he took him out for ice cream. He, he extended grace. Three months later when he gets in trouble, he's like, okay, are we going for ice cream? So you've got to be careful with that. They, they love grace. We all love grace. But we need to be strengthened with grace. So for us, our, our strength is not physically, dads. It's, it's spiritually. How is your spiritual strength right now? 
I don't care that you can work a 14, 15 hour day. I care about your spiritual strength. You're to be made stronger continually by Christ. And we do that by spending time in His Word. We, we do that by coming here for worship. By the fact that you're here on Father's Day, praise God. Praise God. You know where I wanted to be on Father's Day? Anywhere but with my kids. That's how it was before Christ. You know what I wanted today for Father's Day? Just to teach the Word. My wife asked me yesterday, what do you want for Father's Day? I just want to be able to teach the Word. We need to be men that are in prayer. And here's the big one. We need to be men that are confessing our sin. If there's stuff going on, you need to confess it. We need to be seen worshiping the Lord. I love Nehemiah verse eight, uh, chapter 8, verse uh, 13. I want to make sure you get this. Because if revival starts, it starts with men. It starts with the homes of the men. And it says, On the second day, the heads of fathers... The second day, the heads of fathers, house of all people, with the priests, the Levites, came together to, the, to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. All the dads come out on the second day. This is, they already had the, the time of the word the first day, but the dads made time for God the second day. They're like, I need more of the word. I need more of God's word in my life. And all the fathers go out. And what do we need right now? We need all the fathers to return to God. And return to their homes. And return to their marriages. With the Word of God. If men are going to be revived, it's going to start by being revived by God's Word. It's going to start by being a returning to Christ and, and dealing with our sins. This, this is not a perfect walk. I've told you all that. It's not a walk of perfection. You're pursuing righteousness. You're pursuing holiness. And godly father has to understand that to be strong, it's the spiritual exercise that you need more. Man, I have met people that nowadays everybody wants to look as good as they can on Instagram or TikTok and they want to have the abs. Especially with the Top Gun movie, it was like they were talking about all the workouts those guys did just so they could do the football scene. And see, I remember as a kid, the volleyball scene. And I was like, that's the Navy. That's what the Navy does. They like to take off their stuff and go be, go be together. That's what they do. And, and I looked at it and I was like, man, I wonder how they are spiritually. They showed this dude, the, the, one of the main characters, and the hours that he put in to get... The shape of everything. To be physically ready for the role. And the only thing I could think of is how spiritually ready is he for Christ? If he returns today. I'm not against working out. I'm all for it. But when you work out more than you work out spiritually, there's a problem. Because I've met people that have done that where they've gotten so much into the shape of their body that they, they, their, their walks with God just got put on the back burner. 
And, and we have to be careful with that. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let, let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Psalm 31, 24, Be strong and let your heart take courage, all who hope in the Lord. Our strength comes from God. And lastly, we're supposed to let, let, that, let all that you do be done in love. And that word there is agape love. It's a sacrificial love. It's, it's a love that expects nothing in return. Your kids need to hear, Dad, tell them I love you. Your wife needs to hear that. Give them a hug. Going in the room and actually praying with them. They need that. They need more time with us. Most, most families are because of the economy. And even before the economy, most families are two families. Both fa persons are working. And you may only see your kids for an hour, maybe two hours at night, if that. They need that time with you. We love them. We serve them. But also love is correction at times too. I love them enough to correct them if I have to. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, it says, Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. In this love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. We, we have to understand that it's God's love that was outpoured through His Son, Jesus Christ. And, and, and we know in this world that's what we need more today is love. The sacrificial love. That's that, that love that, that expects nothing in return. That's what we need more in our schools and, and, our, and our politics, even on our social networks, to be more loving. We need to stop trying to divide everybody, even within the church. As a father, the love that I express to my wife, the kids see. The kids see. So, what type of husband do you want your daughter to pick up? Because they're watching you. They watch you. If you're not careful, they're going to pick the same kind of man that you were. When we have the love of Christ that overflows from our house and our marriage into the church, into the schools, and into the community. But if we don't have any men that are available to instruct, to live this out in the homes, that's why we have so many fatherless homes right now. We have so many men that are not walking with God. It's an epidemic. When you have one out of four homes, one out of four, think about that. 
That's a lot. I think the thing said it was over 24 million kids that don't have fathers. 24 million homes in America. And you want to know what the problem is with America? This is it. We remove God from the house. We remove the fathers out of the house. Next thing we're going to do is we're going to remove gender identity. We're going to remove mom and dad because we don't really need them. We just need them to be binary. That's what some of the parents are teaching their kids now already. But unfortunately, men don't want to do what God instructs you to do, which is to to admonish your wives with the word. If you love her the way that Christ loved the church. I'm not saying you have to spend time in a Bible study. But y'all should at least be talking about God and God's word sometime in the house. Having those discussions. Let me tell you, one of the hardest things that you'll ever do is to be a godly husband. The way that God intends it to be. And a father. Men have a lot of responsibility that God expects from the men. That's why it's so direct. Act like men. It can't get no more direct than that. And then these are the things you're supposed to be doing to act like a man. The husband's responsible for leading the family. I love what Pastor Chuck, when he talks about love, he, he would always read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. How many of y'all use that at your marriage, at your wedding? Like you actually, that was your verse at your wedding. Pastor Chuck said to do this. Insert your name there where it says love. And answer the question. Michael is patient. I need to work on that. And kind. Michael does not envy or boast. Michael is not arrogant or rude. Michael does not insist on its own way. Michael is not irritable or resentful. Michael does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Michael rejoices with truth. Michael bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now if I insert your name there, how's that going to come out? Let it all be done in love. Everything that we do. And I love that because the reason why is in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, So now faith, hope, and love abide in these three, but the greatest of these is love. Love. You know, the thing that as we finish up here, As we look at this, are you being watchful? Are you standing firm in the faith? Are you acting like men? 
Are you being strong? And then all of those things, those four things, let it all that you do be done in love. Are you being watchful in love? Are you, are you standing firm in the faith with love? Are, are you acting like a man with love, agape love? Are you being strong in love? Because you can be strong and be a knucklehead. And then we let it all that you do be done in love. It's, it's, it is not an easy call to be a father. And here's the beauty of, of all of this. This is the type of man you're looking for if you're single. If he can't check these boxes, don't waste your time with him. And you go, Mike, that's a lot though. Don't waste your time with him. It'll, it'll be less stress on you. If he can't be watchful for your well-being and your kids' well-being, if he can't be, if he can't stand firm in the faith, and you're standing firm in the faith, it's going to be a rough marriage. If he can't act like a man, he's acting like a woman, that's a problem. Like if he goes getting more pedicures than you got, you got an issue. That's a guy you want to just, you go ahead and go. I'm not talking about that guy. I'm talking about where you actually go to the salon. It trips me out when I see men in the salon. I'm like, what's wrong with y'all? Shaping your eyebrows. I'm like, what's wrong with y'all? This is what you get. As, as goofy and ugly as it is, this is, this is me. I'm not doing all that. Be a man. But that's, that's what you need to look for in a husband. He needs to be able to sacrifice without expecting anything in return. Because we're to be last, because we are called to be leaders in the home. Guess what? We're last in the home. We're there to serve. That's where men get this completely upside down. They think, oh, I'm supposed to be served. No. I've told the men this, and they don't like hearing it, but I've told them this before. The moment you walk into your house, you're walking into your ministry. The moment that you get off of work and you get out of your car, you need to be praying before you walk in that house because that, that's the moment your ministry starts. She needs to be admonished with the Word. Your kids need to be loved on. She needs to be loved on. You need to be watchful as a, you know, what's going on today? How are things going? How was your day? Well, so-and-so at school had this happen. Well, okay, we need to deal with that. You're being watchful. It's, this is, you know, again, one of the things that I see that's wrong with this country today is, is we, don't, we need more men that are going to be examples of Jesus Christ. And that means standing up and acting like men. Happy Father's Day. I know it's hard. We won't be like this next week, but you know, the mothers get flowers and they get everything, you know, they get flowers, they get they get loved on that day, and the men they get it right to the chin. But hey, you're men. I, I need to toughen you up because the world's coming after you. This culture's coming after you. And the devil is surely coming after you and your family. 
And if you're a single mom, let me encourage you with this. Read 2 Timothy chapter 1, chapter 2. That is a godly man that was raised by his grandmother and his mom. And he ends up leading the church. And he was one of Paul's. Paul saw him as a son. So somebody came alongside him and was a father figure to Timothy. This is what we need more of in the church. It's like, hey, I'm not telling you to be their dad, but you can, hey, when they come in on Sunday, how you doing? How things going? What's happening? Go spend the youth retreat with them. You know? One of the greatest things I think I've ever seen, and I'll end it with this, is uh, I remember going to the youth retreat. And we were talking about this, this past week. Have you ever seen anybody that actually had the power of the Holy Spirit, had that love of Christ that poured out of them? And somebody brought up Rick Gamboa. Rick Gamboa is 70-something years old and is at the youth retreat with our youth. And loved on them. I mean, spent time with them, talked with them, played volleyball with them. And he's there worshiping God. I mean, worship's going on. Rick ain't focused on nobody but worshiping God. And those kids are seeing someone as a grandfather figure that they could go to and talk to, not just at the youth retreat, but come Sunday and Wednesday when they see him at church and they say, Mr. Rick, can you pray for me? This is what's going on in our family. And Rick would stop everything he's doing. We need to be men. They need to see us being men. It goes, it goes completely against the culture today. So you're a rebel. If you want to act like a man, guess what? You get to be a rebel. You're, you're, you don't fit the culture. So be that. But be an example of Christ. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.